It is uh, great to be with you today and to join in worship of our Lord and Savior. Today we are beginning a new series called Tell Us a Story. We're going to learn a little bit more of that, but it, the focus is on some of the parables of Jesus and how they really can teach us some, some deep spiritual truths, and we pray the Holy Spirit will guide us to better understand those through the parable today. Let's begin with our first hymn.
stand. We begin our service in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Blessed are they whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed are they whose sin the Lord does not count against them. Let us confess our sins to the Lord. Almighty and merciful Father, we have strayed from your ways like lost sheep. We have followed what we have devised and desired in our hearts. We have offended you and sinned against your holy law. We have done those things that we should not have done, and we have not done those things that we should have done. Have mercy on us, Lord. Spare us, forgive us, and restore us according to your promises in Christ Jesus. God, our merciful Father, has forgiven all our sins. He sent his Son, Jesus Christ, to be our Redeemer and Savior. Jesus paid the penalty for our guilt by his death on the cross and freed us from death by his resurrection from the grave. We have peace with God now and forever. In the peace let us pray to the Lord.
be with you. And also with you. Let us pray. Lord God, you call us to work in your kingdom and promise to reward us according to your grace. Help us to rid our minds of worldly expectations and rejoice that you freely pour out the blessings of salvation to all people through the merits of Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. We'll continue with our readings from the scripture. Our first lesson is from Jonah chapter 3 verse 10 and goes into chapter 4 verse 11. You know, Jonah didn't want to go to that wicked city of Nineveh. He simply wanted God to send down fire one day and blow the whole place up. But, of course, God had very different plans because he doesn't want anyone to be lost. He tried to convince Jonah of that as well. Verse 10. When God saw that they, what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented. He did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That's why I tried to forestall fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love. A God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, Is it right for you to be angry? Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind. And the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, It would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, he said, and I'm so angry I wish I were dead. But the Lord said, You've been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals. The word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. Continue with the song for the day.
Our second lesson is from Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 9, verses 6 to 16. And truly it is a miracle of God that anyone should believe. God wants all to be saved. Unfortunately, many reject his word. But still, by God's grace, many do believe. Verse 6. It is not as though God's word had failed. For not all who are descended from Israel are Israel. Nor because they are his descendants are they all Abraham's children. On the contrary, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. In other words, it is not the children by physical descent who are God's children, but it is the children of the promise who are regarded as Abraham's offspring. For this was how the promise was stated. At the appointed time, I will return, and Sarah will have a son. Not only that, but Rebekah's children were conceived at the same time by our father Isaac. Yet before the twins were born, or had done anything, good or bad, in order that God's purpose in election might stand, not by works, but by him who calls, she was told, the older will serve the younger. Just as it is written, Jacob I love, but Esau I hated. What then shall we say? Is God unjust? Not at all. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. It does not, therefore, depend on human desire or effort, but on God's mercy. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please stand. verses 1 to 16, and will also serve as our sermon text. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. About nine in the morning, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you also go and work in my vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. He went out again about noon and about three in the afternoon and did the same thing. About five in the afternoon, he went out and found still others standing around. He asked them, why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered. He said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. The workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came, and each received a denarius. So when those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more. But each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These who were hired last worked only one hour, they said. And you've made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, I am not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the one who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. 
The Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to you, Lord Christ. You may be seated. Invite the children to come up for our children's message. Great to see you today. Welcome. I want to think of if there was a time when you all had to work really hard. And uh, what if you all went out and you really worked hard? Maybe in the garden or you did some, you know, it's not going to be long. You're going to be raking leaves, right? You could be doing things like that. It's going to be hard work. And what if I said, I'm the one hiring you and I'm going to give, uh, let's see, if this was real money, 50, 100, $125 to one of you. That the rest of you don't get anything. Is that fair? It is fair to the one who gets it, maybe, but it's not going to be fair to anybody else. At least they're not going to think so, right? All right. What if one of you happened to do something very bad, and I said, well, I'm not just going to punish one. I'm going to punish all of you. Is that fair? That's not fair either, is it? No, it doesn't seem right at all. You know, some people think about God, and they say, well, God isn't fair either. I do good things once in a while, and he doesn't seem to do much for me. Well, they forget how much God really does do for them. Because, you see, Jesus is the only one who did everything right, and God punished him for our sins. And Jesus took away all our sins so that we can receive not $125, so we can receive forgiveness and eternal life in heaven the treasures of heaven that are going to go on forever. What a blessing, right? So we think God isn't, God isn't fair. He's love. His love goes beyond justice. It goes beyond fairness because he extends himself in Christ to every one of us. So we thank God every day that we have Jesus who has done so much for us out of pure love. Let's pray. You can repeat after me. Dear Lord, thank you for sending Jesus who took away all our sins and gave us eternal life. It wasn't fair, but it was your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for coming up. Go back to your seats.
to you, and peace from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The sermon text has already been read. Let us join our hearts in prayer. Lord, we are so blessed to be here today as your dear children in Christ, our Savior. Help us to realize the important positions that you have given us in your kingdom of grace, to consider it an honor to serve you in thankfulness all our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Dear workers in Christ, how often is it that we as Christians really value the grace that God has shown us in Christ and the results, the blessing that have come to us? I'll go back to a couple of people in the Bible. I think of King David. He had such a humble beginning uh, a shepherd boy out in the field. His dad didn't even think to have him come in to see if he might be the future king. And yet God raised him to be king over Israel. And then there's Esther, an uh, orphan, an exile in Persia. Who would think she had any importance at all? But God raised her up to become queen of the empire. In David's case, the Lord raised him up to be king so that he would protect his people, that he would care for them and, and, and fight for them. In Esther's case, for such a time as this, her cousin Mordecai said, was so that she could save her people from destruction. Who would have guessed that such humble people had such noble purposes for the Lord? And we may wonder... What does God have in store for us? Not just in the future, but even now. How can he use us? What ways can his grace work blessing to us and through us? Today we'll consider God's good purpose for us with this theme. By grace, God includes us. First of all, we are who we are by God's grace and not because of of our works. You know, usually when people ask who we are, we start answering, well, I, I do this, I'm at school, I have work, I, I'm, I got this family, I'm from here, and those are the kind of the questions that, but all those things, as nice as they are, really don't make that much difference to God, right? He's not going to change his attitude towards us because of our family or because of the things we do. The Bible states it's by grace you have been saved through faith. And this not from yourselves. It is a gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. So if you are an unbeliever thinking you're going to impress God and you get, say you win a great big lottery. And you go, I'm going to give $100 million to feed the starving people of the world. And the world goes, wow, that's really important. And God goes, eh. Sorry, doesn't impress me. Because you don't have faith. You're not connected to Christ. And if you're not connected to Christ, it's not going to be acceptable to God. 
And this relates to the group of workers in Jesus' parable. They labored, it says, all morning and until night. Now, they certainly thought the owner should pay them more than all the other people that had worked and only worked part of the day. To them, the owner's generosity, to those other workers that did less than them, was simply unfair. But Jesus challenges in the parable when he had the owner say to the complainers, Am I not being unfair? I am not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius a day's wage? I want to give the one who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious? Because I am generous. Are we tempted to get that wrong view of God? You know, when God's generosity favors others, maybe gets them more honor than us, and we think we deserve it for the things we've done, we can get angry. We can get jealous or disappointed like those hardworking guys. If we've served at a church in various capacities, if we've just done good works in other ways, we feel by nature that God owes us something. It's just harmful to think that way, of course, like those workers, because we can get jealous. We think we're better than somebody else and other people, and that we get upset that God blesses them more than us. But what that's doing is putting our works before God's grace. It is putting God's, well, really, our, our laws of fairness above God's love. In the end, anyone who replaces the grace of God in Christ with simply good works is going to lose all the blessings of God. So what is the proper attitude that we should have as Christians? We want God to use us in meaningful ways. Well, secondly, we humbly realize that Christ is everything for us. Since our works do not determine who we are before God, it must be Christ. And that's pictured in our parable when the owner hired all those other people later in the day and still gave them full pay. They were amazed at the generosity of the owner, and who wouldn't be? The wages picture God's grace to us, his undeserved love. God's greatest blessing from Jesus is that he has saved us from eternal judgment. All the other blessings that people think are always so important really are only secondary. Picture this. We're all passengers on a great big cruise liner and it starts to sink. And there's only so many lifeboats and now there's a lot of people that are going to die. But people from shore hear the distress signal and all kinds of boats come out to rescue everyone and save them from drowning. And as people are going back to shore on these various boats, one looks at that little crummy old fishing boat that he's sitting in, and next door somebody's in a yacht, and they're cruising back with drinks in their hands. Oh, why couldn't I be on that boat? Is that what we would say? No. We've all just been safe from being drowned. Who cares what, your, what other uh, things there are? And it's the same with God. He saved us from eternal judgment. We're on our way to the safety of heaven. What greater blessing could there be that we should be so thankful for those things? How did we get so blessed? God chose his son to work for us. From morning, through the heat of the day, even until night, he worked perfectly to earn wages for us. And although it wasn't fair, he gave up everything so that we could receive all the benefit. Through Christ's forgiveness, God has declared us innocent of sin. Through Jesus reconciling us to God, we went from being enemies to being God's best friends even his dear children. How can we complain 
about a lack of love from God, if we don't have certain blessings that we want, rather we should stand in wonder with King David who wrote, he does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. By God's grace, we should never have to wonder, have our works made us good enough to be accepted by God? That's impossible, right? But instead, we say, Christ was my substitute. And he was for each one of us. And since God accepted the perfect works of Christ, since God accepted his sacrifice on the cross for all of our sins, God must welcome us when we come to him through faith in our Savior. Salvation is fully supplied by Christ. As Paul wrote, you know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that through his poverty you might become rich. Yes, in Christ we are heirs of the glory of heaven. How much more do we need? Nothing. Yet third, God graciously chooses us to serve in his kingdom. This is pictured by the owner seeking people to work in his vineyard. We who treasure Jesus for saving us from sin and death should be the most motivated workers that the world has ever seen. You know, if we went back to Jesus' story of the, of the owner hiring people, what if the next day the owner still needed more work to be done? And he said to the crowd that's out there, who would like to come work for me again for this day? Who do you think would have their hand up first? Those who were complaining about their wages of works? Or those who realized the graciousness of the owner to give them gifts they didn't deserve? No. God provides his generous blessings for us. And in response, we say, Lord, what can I do? How can I serve you? You know, again, the Apostle Paul wrote, it is by grace you've been saved through faith. But then he goes on in Ephesians 2, verse 10. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Yes, we have been eternally saved by God's grace. But what have we been saved for? What is our purpose? We can serve God here and look forward to the day, as Martin Luther said, to serve Jesus in everlasting righteousness, innocence, and blessedness, even as he is risen from the dead. As Christians, one of the greatest honors that we have on this earth is to be able to have God use us as his instruments. Paul wrote about this in Philippians chapter 2, that God is going to work in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. When I was little, I was the youngest in my class, and so that meant that most of the time I was last to get picked at recess to do something, or I didn't make any teams at all. And it seemed as I got older, it didn't get any better, because in high school, the important positions always were somebody else. But God's kingdom isn't that way. Everyone in his kingdom is important to him. Everyone is important to carry out his work. He sees each one of us as valuable to him and for his purposes. He gives opportunity to every Christian to do meaningful service so that the benefit to others will end in eternal blessings. Because we're sharing God's word through the love of Christ, even simple works that we do are going to be blessed by God. As Jesus promised in John 15, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Whoever abides in me, if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. No matter who we are, where we are, grade school, college, working, retired, 
volunteering at church or in the community. We all have a place in God's field, in his kingdom. We have been blessed also so that we can support the work with our offerings, our praise, and our prayers to the Lord. Whatever we do, we should consider it an opportunity to show our thanks to the Lord and to know that he's going to work good from it. You know, last week, really just a few days back, there was a baptism here at St. Paul's. And later this morning, we're going to have another baptism. Isn't that news to rejoice that we as a congregation have been working together and supporting the ministry, and now two little boys have been called by God to be his children through our work together. And we're going to keep praying to the Lord that he will bless the faith of those boys and that many more will be baptized and instructed and joined in worshiping their seeds. I don't know if we consider ourselves fortunate or not. God has not given us King David. He has not given us Esther to save the day for us here at St. Paul's. Matter of fact, we've experienced the vacancy for a lead pastor for four out of five years. Does that mean that God's grace isn't extended to us anymore? Have you seen what's going on? God has always raised up his people. God has always supplied exactly what was needed at the right time. And so there have been those who have retired, who stepped up in the past and are continuing to serve now. And by the grace of God, Pastor Horniburr and I have been called as well. We've got a whole troop of retirees up here all of a sudden. doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who we are. It matters who God is and his grace extended to us to carry on the work together. Yes, God has a plan of grace so we can all work together in this little corner of his kingdom. Wherever, whatever we've done in the past, whatever we will be doing in the future, we can be certain that we have been chosen by God and we can trust in Jesus. He will provide his blessings of grace. Amen. Please stand. Now the peace of God that passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. We continue with our confession of faith using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy Christian church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Please be seated. We'll continue with our prayer of the church. We include in our prayers today the family of Will Hensel. He, his funeral was held this past Tuesday. We also include prayers for Max Rolfing, who will be baptized in the next service. He is the son of Garrett and Ashley Rolfing. Uh, and Theophilus Strutz, the son of Caleb and Brianna Strutz, uh, who was baptized this past week. We begin on page 11, the prayer of the church. Loving God and Lord, you created the universe that surrounds us and the globe on which we live. You control all things through your Son, who sits at your right hand in glory. Comfort us with the promise of your eternal presence. Give your word power as it works in our hearts and minds. Clear away our confusion and demolish our doubts. Send your spirit to strengthen both our confidence in your promises and our desire to live according to your will. 
Take away our love of sinning and restore us each day by your grace. The signs of the times warn us that the end of time is near. Protect us from scoffers who sneer at your truth. Spare us and Christians around the world from all forms of hate and persecution. Give us courage to carry the cross with patience and joy. And now we include a prayer for the boys who were or will be baptized. Lord, please bless Theophilus Strauss and Max Rolfing. We thank you for keeping the mothers and sons safe as the boys were delivered into this world. We thank you for the blessings you have promised in baptism, that whoever believes and is baptized shall be saved. We ask you to keep their faith strong by your grace. Bless the parents with your wisdom and guide them so that they can train their sons to grow in the knowledge of their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And then we continue on the page. Instill in the hearts of all our children a desire to follow you as they prepare for future days. Help them distinguish between what is passing and what is eternal, between instant thrills and lasting joy. Encourage more young people to prepare for service in the public ministry of the gospel. Mold us and move us to be good examples for our youth. Hold in your care, Lord, those who are experiencing physical or emotional pain, and all who are afflicted by disease or facing death. We pray especially for the family of Will Hantel. Comfort Will's family as they remember that Will, as a Christian, brought blessings and happiness to their lives. Comfort them for the future, that with Christ as their Savior, they will meet again in the glory of heaven and never be separated. Pour out your compassion on the grieving and comfort the mourners who miss someone they love. Move us to pray for those brothers and sisters and to help when Hear us, Lord, as we pray in silence. <coughs> Whether we pray together or alone, you promise to hear and answer us. Give us patience to accept your blessings in whatever way you send them. In your love and wisdom, prepare us for the day when you will take us to be with you forever. Hear us, for Jesus' sake. Amen. We now continue with the offering. If you have not filled out a connection card, we invite you to do that at this time or to later put it in the basket.
continue with our next hymn. Stand. Let us pray. Blessed Lord, you've given us your holy scriptures for our learning. May we so hear them, read, learn, and take them to heart, that being strengthened and comforted by your holy word, we may cling to the blessed hope of everlasting life through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. We join in praying. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. 
And now the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you his peace. Amen. Please be seated for the last hymn. And so we rejoice in the Lord together. What a blessing to be with us, to have, know that he is with us and continues to provide for all that we need here, individually and as a congregation. We're so thankful. Uh, you know, I mentioned all the different 
people that God raises up. Of course, Pastor Nelson is also at the top of that list. And we're so grateful that he did decline that call, that he's going to continue to be the Lord's servant here and to bring blessings by God to us. Carissa Nelson is also going to be sharing something with us today. In our regular Bible class here in church, she's going to be talking about art and worship and technology, um, very, very interesting things, and how uh, it's another opportunity for us to get involved, show our thanks to the Lord. So uh, please uh, stay around for that. Now may God be with us until we meet again. <laughs>